You're listening to Life in the A-Zone podcast. I'm Peggy Sweeney McDonald, and these are my stories of moving back to my hometown in Louisiana after 36 years to live with my father and mother when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. These lessons of love, laughter, life, and loss are gifts of living in the A-Zone, and I'm honored to share them with you. If this is your first time here, begin the journey with Episode 1 and go forward. Thank you for joining me today. Alexa, play Christmas music, I ask, and Barbara Streisand's version of Oh Holy Night pops on. This makes me cry, Mom says. Me too, Mom. We need something more upbeat today. Alexa, play 50s Christmas music. And Jingle Bell Rock begins to play a much better choice. This will probably be the last year Mom will be with us at home for Christmas, and I'm definitely not feeling the Christmas spirit today. I'm putting on my best, let's have fun decorating for Christmas face, as I'm determined to create a festive day for us. This morning, Dad and Jimmy brought down the Christmas decorations from the attic and the living room is now stacked with plastic crates, large boxes, and sections of a large fake Christmas tree. The fresh Christmas trees we had as kids were replaced years ago with this fake tree with lights attached. Discovering only half of the lights were working, Jimmy went to the store to buy more white lights, and Dad began to assemble the tree. Growing up, we always had colored twinkling lights on our Christmas tree, and we loved how the lights danced to the Christmas music. Jimmy's family in New York always had white lights on their tree. This led to an argument when buying our first tree together after we were married in New Orleans. I want colored twinkle lights, I said as we picked out our tree in the Christmas tree lot. That's tacky and childish. White lights are classier, Jimmy stated. He won the light battle. I told my friend Jackie about the fight we had over the colored lights, and she laughed. I always had colored twinkle lights. That's what I grew up with. Those New Yorkers just don't get it, she said. She invited us to dinner the week before Christmas and gave us a present, a box of colored twinkle lights. Jimmy sat shaking his head while we laughed hysterically. I went home and put the colored lights on our ficus plant in the corner of our living room. A simple compromise, twinkling away. Soon it's just Mom and me in the living room decorating for Christmas. My father retired to his office upstairs, and Jimmy disappeared to smoke a cigar, of course. They both believe decorating the tree is for the ladies. It's strange how things have changed these past three years. The first year we were back in Louisiana, my mom and I decorated the tree and she told me exactly where to place each ornament. Last year she helped me decorate the tree for about 10 minutes and really didn't care where I placed the ornaments. Now she just sits on the sofa and watches me decorate the tree. Her ornaments are all in their original boxes and are beautiful. After 30 minutes, she gets up and walks out of the living room without saying a word and goes to her room. I wish I had invited my sisters to come over and help, but they are busy decorating their own Christmas trees. The sadness of the Christmas season fills the room, despite our twinkling tree festooned with colorful ornaments. 
I thought this would help, but I guess it's not. The joy of Christmas just doesn't live here anymore. Alexa, play Barbara Streisand Christmas music, I request, and Silent Night comes on. I stand alone, hanging the ornaments with tears streaming down my face. I'm longing for Christmas of yesteryear. Up on the housetop, click, 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 down through the chimney with good Saint Nick. Daddy, take a picture of me, I said as I posed dramatically with a hand on my hip, the other hand touching my stocking, and a big smile on my face. I hate this granny cap. It's dumb. Why do we have to wear these? I hate taking pictures, Shannon complained. Where did Erin go, Mom said, irritated, as she went down the hall, looking for her to find her jumping on the bed or tumbling down the hallway. Oh, no, Kelly, this is not the time to eat candy canes. It's all over your nightgown and in your hair. Mom scolded Kelly as she snapped the peppermint stick away and then wiped the stickiness off with a wet cloth. We were in our formal living room, gathered around a fake cardboard fireplace, complete with a spinning light around the cut-out log to look like a roaring fire. All four of the little Sweeney sisters were dressed in flannel granny nightgowns with cute granny caps in the same red and green pattern. We were obsessed with the new fireplace that year. Every year, our holiday decor continued to grow, and the fireplace was a welcome addition. Our stockings were hung on the chimney with care, and we believed Santa would soon come down the chimney. We would lay on the floor next to it and peer up the chute. We believed in the magic of Christmas. My mother staged us strategically while Dad snapped the pictures. This may have been the first official photo Christmas card shoot, and recently we all shared it on Facebook at Christmas time. It's adorable, and there's no sign of any family drama in the picture. But there was always family drama at Christmas time with four southern daughters and their mother. My mother would be totally outdone, stressed out, and fussing at us, including my poor dad. This is like pulling teeth. No one is listening to me, Mom would exclaim. Nobody was having a good time at the family photo session. It was amazing we could capture at least one perfect picture to mail out to our relatives, family friends, and dad's business associates, along with the letter my father would compose sharing our yearly updates. The yearly Christmas photos to follow would be staged on the stairs from oldest to youngest, in front of the flock Christmas tree, in front of our new house, with our pet pony Ginger in the backyard, roasting marshmallows by our new fire pit, and once in the Smoky Mountains during Thanksgiving vacation. As we got older, Mom and Dad included themselves in the pictures, taken by family friends or my grandmother. We once had a real photographer meet us at a local plantation where we posed sitting on the trunk of a big oak tree. This picture was enlarged, framed, and hangs on my parents' bedroom wall. I was a freshman in college then, and I laugh at my Dorothy Hamill short haircut, my blue jean skirt and sweater vest over a button-down shirt. It was my preppy sorority girl look. One year, my mom created a large green foil cut-out Christmas tree that hung on the wall in the hall and was filled with all of our past Christmas cards with the oldest photo card at the top. I wonder what happened to that foil tree. 
Growing up, we all had our own boxes of ornaments, and as our individual collections grew, our boxes got bigger and bigger with our names clearly marked on the top in red. We would go to Harriman's, a fancy florist and gift shop in Baton Rouge, for their holiday open house on the first Sunday of December. It was a family tradition and kicked off our Christmas season. We would each pick out a new ornament to add to our personal collection. It was a special day. We would attend mass dressed in our holiday outfits, then rush over to the noon opening. The parking lot would be packed with families waiting for the doors to open. Making our way through the crowded aisles, we would gaze at the beautiful decorations while trying to decide on the perfect ornament to add to our collection. Do you like this one, Mama? We would ask as we all needed her approval, and of course, she would check the price. She would approve or make other suggestions while we would snack on the free holiday star butter cookies with red and green sprinkles and hot chocolate. My box of childhood ornaments moved with me to Houston, New York, New Orleans, and Los Angeles. It now lives in the storage unit with the rest of our stuff. Most of our holidays were spent with my family in Louisiana or Jimmy's family in New York. So many times we didn't put up a tree in our apartment or condo. But as life changed, we didn't always fly home for the holidays. Those times it meant so much to me to put up our own tree. The memories of childhood Christmas would flood my heart as I opened my childhood box of ornaments. While the old ones may not be sophisticated, they were part of my life, and I refused to let them go. I placed them to the back of the tree by the wall. I knew they were there, and that was all that mattered. Growing up, our Christmas eves were epic. My parents hosted an open house from seven to ten p.m., and all were invited. The Christmas Eve open houses began when I was in grade school. Everything would be set up during the day, and then we would get dressed in our velvet Christmas dresses, our white stockings with black patent leather shoes, and head to the packed family Christmas Eve mass at four thirty at St. Thomas More, where we attended parochial school. My family has never met a stranger, and the house would be packed with neighbors, friends, and relatives. The formal dining room table and buffet credenza would be filled with hot crab dip, meatballs, ham, roast beef, spinach dip, cheese and fruit boards, and more. The kitchen table would be the designated dessert table filled with cookies, pies, and cakes. Everyone would bring a dish, and there was enough food to feed an army. My dad would set up a full bar in the laundry room with a large piece of plywood over the washer and dryer, and cover it with a white tablecloth. Bottles of whiskey, scotch, rum, and vodka were placed on the makeshift bar, with ice chests of beer, wine, and sodas set on the floor. Our neighbor Ajel would play the piano with everyone gathering around singing Christmas carols. My mother loved to sing, and she would be in her glory. Once we all were married, and my sister started having babies, the guest list changed to just our big extended family with a few close friends. The centerpiece of the night would be the nativity play my mom organized with her beloved grandchildren. The girls would take turns being Mary, and the boys rotated as Joseph. The first year, my adorable five-year-old niece Caroline was our Mary, and her four-year-old brother Miles, named after my father, was Joseph. Caroline hid a baby doll underneath my mom's blue robe, which was placed over her head and wrapped around her body, tied at her waist and dragging on the floor. 
My father sat in his big wingback chair reading the Christmas story, and as he read, Baby Jesus was born in the manger, Caroline innocently pulled the doll out from under the robe and cradled it in her arms. We laughed and she beamed. The following year, there was a real baby to play Jesus, and from that year on, the newest baby in the family got the prized role. My youngest sister, Kelly, couldn't wait to have children so hers could be baby Jesus and then Mary and Joseph. The children of family friends were recruited to be angels. It was quite the production. My mother relished her role as director, producer, set director, and event manager. The grandkids came over the week before Christmas to rehearse and created sets out of cardboard boxes. She organized all the costumes in our king-size bed on Christmas Eve. I would be recruited as the assistant director to help the kids get dressed and line them up to perform in the living room. One time, I even sang along with them to Hard Candy Christmas. The nativity scene would end with everyone singing along to Silent Night before the kids went back to change into their elf costumes. One of the grandsons designated as Santa would enter screaming, Ho, 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 while dragging a large sack of gifts as the other kids sang jingle bells and rang gold handbells before helping Santa hand out the gifts. All the women would receive ornaments or candles labeled Lady, and the man gift was always socks. It was a running joke. Jimmy or one of the brother-in-laws would say, I wonder what this is, and they would all laugh as they unwrapped their socks. Soon, the kids would change into their pajamas, leaving their costumes in a huge heap on the floor. They couldn't wait to leave to go to bed back home before the real Santa arrived. Jimmy and Dad would clean the kitchen while I helped Mom pack up the costumes. Once everything was picked up and the kitchen sparkling clean, the four of us would sit in the living room, listening to Christmas music and watching the lights dance on the tree, exhausted after a crazy, non-stop day. Slowly, surely, everything began to change. Before we even suspected Mom had dementia or Alzheimer's, everyone noticed her anxiety, especially Dad and me. She became stressed out and started screaming that we weren't helping her, which made no sense as we were nonstop all day. I would be wrapping presents, cleaning, setting up, helping with the costumes— Even making her famous macaroni and cheese became way too much for her. We had reduced the more is more buffet to cheese and crackers for an appetizer, followed by a full dinner. Dad would pick up a honey-baked ham and turkey, and my sisters would bring everything else. Platters of Christmas cookies baked by the grandkids were dessert. But after a few drama-filled Christmas Eves a few years ago, we decided the traditional Christmas Eve wasn't worth it anymore. Mom can't handle hosting anymore. I think we need to rethink Christmas Eve, Shannon said, taking the initiative to make changes, and everyone agreed unanimously. I think we should have dinner at a restaurant after Mass on Christmas Eve. I'll make a reservation for a big table, Shannon decided. Mom put up a fight when they told her, but of course Shannon persuaded her. Mom, let's do something different this year. It'll be easier for all of us. She pouted and argued about it. Dad agreed wholeheartedly, and just like that, a lifetime of our Christmas Eve traditions was pushed into the memory file, never to be experienced again. 
We won't be able to come to Baton Rouge this year since Christmas lands in the middle of the week and Jimmy can't take off work. I told my family over the phone. Deep down, I was grateful we would not be there for the first year of celebrating Christmas Eve in a restaurant. It seemed so wrong, so cold, and not a traditional Sweeney Christmas Eve. I imagined how sad it would be for Mom and Dad to go back to the house after dinner at the restaurant and sit in front of the Christmas tree by themselves. While my sisters set in motion the new Sweeney holiday plans, Jimmy and I made our plans for Christmas in Los Angeles. For years, we had wanted to attend the Christmas Eve Mass at the chapel at Sarah Retreat Center in Malibu. It sits on a high cliff in the Santa Monica Mountains, looking down to the Pacific Ocean. Even though it would be a hassle to get there with holiday traffic from our condo in the valley, we were determined to do it. We discovered the serene beauty of Sarah Retreat shortly after moving to Los Angeles when I read an article in the Los Angeles magazine about Frank Sinatra, who had just passed away. It described how one of his favorite things to do was walk the grounds of Sarah Retreat. The first time we drove up the winding driveway, it took our breath away. It became one of the special places we brought out-of-town guests to really experience the beauty of Malibu, including our parents, who once visited at the same time over Thanksgiving. We have beautiful pictures of all six of us there together. As my family attended Christmas Eve Mass and went to Rafino's restaurant in Baton Rouge, Jimmy and I arrived at Sarah with time to walk the beautiful grounds before the Mass began. We stood in the garden by the large outside cross on the point at the edge of the cliff, looking at the sunset over the water. The sky glowed with magnificent orange, deep blue, purple, and pink, like the colors of my magical childhood Christmas tree. Spectacular, spectacular, Jimmy said. Beyond spectacular, I agreed, and moved towards him. It was cold, and we stood with our arms wrapped around each other for warmth as we watched the sunset. Little did we know that this would be the last time we would visit Sarah and our last Christmas in Los Angeles. But at that moment, we were grateful to have created our own special Christmas Eve in Malibu. Merry Christmas, Jimmy Dean, I murmured. Merry Christmas, Peggy Bug, he said. And we kissed before walking into the chapel. The mass was lovely at Sarah, and the friends and family crowd included Martin Sheen and Dick Van Dyke, who both participated in the readings. After mass, Father Warren invited everyone to the retreat center for hot apple cider and cookies. Growing up, I watched Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang so many times, and I was thrilled to meet Dick Van Dyke over a tray of Christmas cookies. And he was as gracious as you would imagine him to be. By the time we made it back to our condo in the valley, all the local restaurants were closed. So we heated up a can of chicken noodle soup for dinner. Jimmy turned on the tree lights and put Christmas music on. We sat together in front of our Christmas tree, eating our soup from coffee mugs before opening our presents. Then we watched the white lights on our tree twinkle to our favorite Rat Pack Christmas music. Jimmy pulled me up, and we danced in front of our tree to White Christmas. Reports from back in Baton Rouge on Christmas morning were good. The Christmas Eve restaurant dinner was fabulous, 
and they rented a shuttle bus to drive them around to look at Christmas lights. After, Mom loved every minute. They embraced the change, and when we moved back to Baton Rouge three years ago, we went along with the new program. So here I am by myself, polishing off the Christmas tree for what will probably be Mom's last Christmas at home. Mom and Dad no longer buy Christmas presents for everyone, and I haven't had time to shop, so it's completely bare under the tree, except for the Christmas manger we have had forever, sitting on the red tree skirt my mom sewed years ago. My mom was always over the top with presents every year, and you could barely locate a specific one without having to hunt through the giant pile of gifts. We now pick names and exchange gifts. Everything is pared down. On December twenty-third, I venture out to buy a few gifts for us to open on Christmas morning. I wrap the few simple gifts and set them under the tree. It's better than nothing. We attended Christmas service that night with my sister Erin and her family at a huge Christian church called Healing Place, with a big rock band and a professional choir. The service is actually a concert with giant screens with extraordinary visuals to go with the music. It is quite the production. And they passed out candles upon entering. Towards the end of the service, the lights were all turned off, and the ushers walked down the aisles, lighting the first candle at the end of each row. As we lit our candles, the room began to glow. It was breathtaking. I snapped a picture of Mom standing there with her candle. Her face was shining in the candlelight, and she looked beautiful and radiant, singing along to "Oh, come, all ye faithful," and loved every moment. My heart wanted to burst. Before leaving, we took the requisite family pictures in front of the giant Christmas tree outside of the church before heading home. One service down and one more to go. Our two-day Christmas holiday has now turned into a three-day celebration. <laughs> On Christmas Eve, Mom lets me pick out her clothes and help her shower. I fix her hair and makeup, and she's festively dressed in black velvet pants and a sparkly red sweater with pearls sewn onto the collar. Where are we going? Christmas Eve mass, Mom, with the girls, and then out to dinner. We meet Shannon, Kelly, and their families at church, followed by an amazing three-hour dinner at French Market Bistro, a fabulous local restaurant. We feast on large appetizer platters of sizzling charbroiled oysters, topped with crab meat, butter, garlic, and Parmesan cheese. Soon, bowls of crab and brie bisque arrive, and they are set down in front of us, along with hot French bread and the salads. We dig into entrees of prime rib or trout almondine, followed by white chocolate bread pudding for dessert. It is a Christmas Eve feast to remember. I realize we are no longer dreaming about honey baked ham and mac and cheese. No all-day preparations, no cleaning, no cooking, and no drama. We're laughing and enjoying each other, and this delicious Creole food is amazing. It's easy and festive. My sisters ordered a mimosa for mom, and she drank only half of it. But the alcohol made her talkative tonight, and she is happy. Everyone is filled with the Christmas spirit. As difficult as it is to let go of our old holiday traditions, I relish in our new "Keep It Simple" Christmas Eve. I can still find 
all that glitters in Christmas. Christmas morning, my parents Jimmy and I open our presents, and I prepare a big breakfast of eggs, bacon, fresh fruit salad, and hot cinnamon rolls. Mom and I sit on the couch and watch our favorite Christmas movie, White Christmas. We stand up and dance to the sisters, sister song. Soon it's time to leave for the family Christmas afternoon tradition of gumbo and gifts. Everyone is casual in blue jeans and holiday sweaters. After exchanging gifts and appetizers, we have an early dinner of delicious chicken and sausage gumbo made by Scott, my brother-in-law, with potato salad, Shannon's special sensation salad, and hot crusty French bread with butter. And of course, platters of the grandkids, cookies, and fudge for dessert. Mom gets a ton of attention, especially from her grandchildren. I wonder if anyone is thinking that this could be the last Christmas with Mom. I look around the room and realize how blessed we are. Our big family keeps growing, and now it's about twenty-five people. Everyone's laughing and talking over each other, and of course, taking lots of pictures. Do you think we should take the tree down? Dad asked me a few days after Christmas. Not yet, Dad. Mom loves the Christmas tree. Let's let her enjoy it for a few more days. I justify to him, but it's just an excuse. In my heart, I know that once we take down the tree, Christmas with my mom will be over. New Year's has come and gone, and it's now January second, and finally time to take the tree down. Mom sits watching me as I begin taking ornaments off the tree. She stands and surprisingly wants to help me. The only problem is she has it totally backwards. As I take the ornaments off the tree and place them in their individual boxes, she begins taking them out of the boxes and puts them back on the tree or lays them on the coffee table. It is. The insanity of Alzheimer's, and it's starting to make me nuts. Mom, what are you doing? I'm putting the ornaments away. No, Mom, I'm putting the ornaments away. You're taking them out of the boxes. Stop yelling at me! I'm not yelling. And then I drop one of her favorite ornaments. Look what you did! You need to be more careful. And right then, another one of her beloved ornaments fell off the tree and shattered into little pieces. You never cared about my things," she yelled at me. I lost it and stormed upstairs. Jimmy met me at the top of the stairs. "What's going on down there? I can't deal with this, Jimmy. I'm done," and went to our room crying. Jimmy went downstairs and started taking down the ornaments. Every time he turned around, Mom was taking them out of the box he had just packed. He calmly said, "Sherry, I got this. Why don't you go take a nap, and I'll come get you in a little bit to help." And she walked out of the room. He told me later that he didn't put the ornaments in their specific boxes, as he was so outdone with the entire operation, including me. When I finally came out of my room, Dad and Jimmy were loading everything into the attic. I helped carry some of the boxes from downstairs up to the attic door. Within ten minutes, it was all packed away. Dad closed the door, and Christmas was over. A week later, I noticed we left the little decorative pillows that spell out Noel over the living room dormer window, and a holiday bow Mom had tied to the lamp next to her spot on the green sofa was still there.
I don't have the energy to take them down. They may be the last remnants of Christmas with Mom. Christmas was always my mother's favorite holiday. She is the one who birthed Christmas in our home and in our hearts. But our producer, director, set designer, and event manager extraordinaire left us years ago. She was just a visitor this year, going along with the program, our program. And although we had some lovely moments, it wasn't what it used to be. The truth is, it will never be what it used to be. I can't imagine Christmas without my mother. The magic of Christmas has gone. It faded away just like our old Christmas cards and shattered into little pieces, just like her broken ornaments and our broken hearts. Thank you for joining me for Life in the A-Zone. Look for new episodes each Wednesday. Please share, subscribe, like, comment, and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To join my mailing list, go to lifeinthea-zone.com and check out my best-selling book, Meanwhile, back at Cafe Dumont, Life Stories About Food, at Amazon and Barnes & Noble.